you for being here on this wonderful Minnesota morning that just gives everybody the opportunity to say, ha, we're Minnesotans. Hallelujah, hoo-yah. Praise God. We don't need no stinking 40, 50 degrees. Bless God. We'll go to church even when it's 20 below. Hallelujah. Amen. And besides, it keeps a lot of the riffraff away too. Praise God. So here we are. Thank you for being a part of Joy this morning. I'm Pastor Brian, senior pastor here at Joy. We are honored and blessed that you are with us this morning. We're on part two of a series that we are calling Satisfied, that he satisfies our mouth with good things. And and, uh, we began last week talking about some very basic principles about uh, uh, really about feeding on the Word of God, if you will, and uh, we're really playing off of something with this Satisfied series. We're playing off of a, a Snickers commercial that says, you're not you when you're hungry, and, and I put this together, I don't know, a few months ago, I was, I, I was very familiar with the commercials that had been out there, and, and I'm very, very familiar with Snickers bars, and, uh, and so I just like that, but I really like the tag that you're not you when you're hungry, and, and, and really what did it for me was when I realized, and I didn't know they did this, but if you've seen these Snicker bars, different names on them. This one happens to say whiny. Anybody know anybody that's whiny? I have to go to church this morning. It's cold outside. <laughs> anyway, uh, this is whiny, and, and, and then they have like drama mama. They have, I mean, just all kinds of different, different, different tagged candy bars. And the whole idea is this, is, is, is that you aren't you when you're hungry. How you act is determined by what you eat. And as I thought about that, as I realized that, there's a, there is a direct correlation between natural food and spiritual food. And if we can understand how natural food works in our life and in our bodies, we have a great, great leg up on understanding how spiritual food works in our life and in our bodies. And, 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 and how many of you, let me just, this is probably an obvious question, you don't have to answer or respond, but, but we all like to eat, don't we? I think almost, there might be a few odd people, but for the most part, we all like to eat, and that's okay with God. That was God's idea. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. It was God's idea, and you read through the Bible. I mean, there's something about eating that is delightful. There's something about eating that when you even just think about food, it makes your mouth begin to cry a little bit, begins to water a little bit, and, and you're, you're ready to, to, to start to eat, and, 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 and it's the same thing in the Word of God. God has designed something and set something up for us. And we, I think we get this, you know, we, we think about food, think about eating, think about those different, different things. Well, it's all in the Bible. How many of you know that when Jesus returns and then when we go to heaven, the very first thing we're going to do is eat? It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Bible says, even when you have enemies around you, in Psalm chapter 23, that he will set a table for you in the presence of your enemies. When you're about to face your enemies, you know what you need to do? Eat. You need to eat. If you, want to, you know, if you want to beat the enemy, if you want to successfully fight the enemy, then you need to eat. If you don't eat, guess what? You're not going to fight the enemy very well at all. And so we, we understand some of these principles about food and eating in the natural, but when we begin to apply them in our life spiritually, they become extremely powerful. In, in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, it says, as newborn babes... Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby as little babies. Now this tells us something right off the bat about Christianity. Many of you have said yes to Jesus. You've been born again, as it says in John chapter three. Jesus said that unless a person is born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. You need a rebirth. We call it sometimes the new birth. Well, when something is birthed or given birth to, we understand that it is at its 
smallest. It is in its infancy. And here Peter is telling the church that you don't start out finished. You don't start out a full-grown Christian. You don't start out a spiritual giant. You start out as a spiritual baby. Look at the person next to you and say, hey, baby. Eh, maybe you better not. Uh, actually, you know, you might start something brand new for someone here this morning. But anyway, uh, <laughs> actually, you know, maybe it'd be better to say you don't want to be a baby. You don't want to stay a baby. Amen? We want to grow up. I mean, it would be odd. It would be unusual if you saw a 15-year-old kid being pushed in a stroller with a diaper on and a bottle in its mouth by its mom or dad. We would say, that's really odd. That is strange. What's wrong with him? And yet in the church world, we don't think anything about it when somebody's strolling along with somebody who's been a believer for 15 years and they're still sucking on a bottle and got a diaper on. And we're babying them. We're coddling them. And so, I just, as I was thinking about this, there's a couple of things, some thoughts on growth, some thoughts on growth that we all, I think that we all understand, that we all kind of get, but some thoughts on growth that as you go through and think about this, listen to a couple of these things. Again, we live life on three levels. We are a spirit being, first of all. That's who we really are. We have a soul that is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we live inside this body. Well, we can get hungry physically. We, we understand what that feels like, but you can get hungry in your soul, in your mind, your will, and your emotion. That's curiosity. That is something you're curious about, and so you want to feed your mind. But we can get hungry spiritually as well. And can I tell you this morning that you're not who God designed you to be when you're hungry. Some of the things that we talked a little bit about last week as it relates to spiritual hunger, things like fear, things like jealousy, things like strife, things like doubt, things like unbelief, those are all symptoms of being spiritually hungry. And there's something in the word of God that when you eat the word of God, it will take care of that spiritual hunger so that you can begin to act like who God made you to be. And, and, and you've heard me say this a gazillion times, perhaps, if you've been around here, but let me say it again. You will always act like the person that you believe yourself to be, which is why we are talking about the food of redemption in this series. You need to eat redemption food if you are going to become who God wants you to be. And I believe that this world is ripe and ready. This world is needy of people, of the family of God, children of God, sons and daughters of God who live life like God designed them to live. Can I get an amen? That's what this world is hungry for. So here's a few thoughts on growth or things that we understand about growing or growing up. First of all, you don't feel growth. You don't feel when you're, how many of you remember as a kid, you went to visit your grandparents, hadn't seen them for a long time. And what were the first things they said? Oh, my, how you've grown. And I remember thinking, grandma, you've shrunk. Why do they say that? Because I don't feel like I've grown. I don't think I've grown. You can't see growth, but growth is, is evident to other people around you sometimes. And so you don't feel growth. It's seen over time. Growth will show up in your speech. We understand that a little baby, that they don't know how to communicate with words at that point. They communicate other ways, but they don't communicate with words. They can communicate with crying. They can communicate with sleeping. They can communicate with a lot of other things, but it takes time for their speech to change, to grow, to mature. And guess what? It takes time for spiritual babies to learn to talk the right kind of talk. It takes a while for their spirituality to show up in their speech. Growth shows up in our coordination, in the way we walk. 
Same thing with, you know, we see that in a little baby. They're walking along. When they first learn to walk, you're so excited and happy. And, and you know, they've got this big cushion that's built in. They're really close to the ground. So they don't have to fall very far. They're going, boom, right down on their little butt. Oh, it's so cute, you know. And then a little, boom, they're back down again. Oh, look, you call me. Hey, they're walking, they're walking. You know what we do in the church when somebody's just baby Christian, just learn to watch? Boom, they, what's wrong with you? That's terrible, oh, you terrible person. Don't we understand that it takes time for a baby to learn to walk? And it should also take time. We should understand that it takes time for a Christian to learn to walk. Now, again, if you've been saved for 15 years and you're still falling on your butt and, and, and tripping over the same things you've been tripping over, then maybe there's some growth that needs to happen because you're not who God made you to be when you're hungry and you need to eat. And so, again, it shows up in our coordination. It shows up in our strength. Growth shows up in our strength. Do you realize that we could walk over to the, any of the children's ministries over there this morning, take one of those little kids out of there, a three-year-old kid, and, and, and they have the exact same muscles that you and I have. They have the same potential for strength that you and I have. But we understand that they are not as strong yet because those muscles have not yet been developed. And it's the same thing spiritually. You have been given a measure of faith and you have power in your life, but you may not have learned how to harness that yet. You may not have taken the time to develop that strength. There are people who are strong in one area. Just like there are people that can run miles and miles and miles and miles. I feel so sorry for them that they have nothing better to do than to run. <laughs> Can't imagine that. But then you have other people that are highly developed in lifting heavy weights. And a person that could run miles and miles can't lift, you know, hardly anything. They're strong in one area, but maybe not as strong in another area. Same thing happens spiritually. There are people that are very strong in some areas that are weak in other areas. And so it takes time for strength to be developed. Growth is not automatic. It's the one thing that's a little bit different. Actually, I don't put that, I don't think I even have that in there. I took it back out because growth, growth, growth does take time. We understand that. Feelings don't matter when it comes to growth. This is really important when you begin to apply it spiritually. Your feelings don't matter when it comes to growth. You can't see it. It shows up over time. But your feelings don't matter. And, 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 and really, when we get right down to it, we need to understand that we eat daily. When it comes to growth, we need a consistent diet. We need to eat daily if we are going to grow the way that God wants us to grow. So in this series, we're talking about the food of redemption. It is a principle of Genesis that everything reproduces after its own kind. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus gave us the illustration about the sower and the seed, that the seed determines the plant and the fruit. It's an illustration of God's word. When we put God's word in our life, that word will produce what it was designed to produce in our life. And spiritual growth doesn't always show up immediately, but it's seen over time. And we understand that by consistently eating every single day, and, and, and you know, again, in its proper balance, all things being equal, we're talking about you know, some very basic healthy things that, that and we could all argue about, well, you know, if you eat this and you don't eat that, you do this, don't do that. We could argue about those points, but the basic premise, the basic principle is this. By consistently eating every single day and by going about living my life and doing what I'm doing, I am going to develop physically. I'm going to grow physically. My muscles are going to be developed more physically. And it's the same thing in my spiritual life. If I will eat consistently and regularly, even though I may not see it over time, I am going to grow and become and begin to grow into who God wants me to be. And so our diet is so important. 
In John chapter six and verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Now, why was Jesus the bread of life? Jesus was the bread of life because he was coming to this earth, this planet, to minister and to redeem humanity because humanity was hungry. Humanity did not know that they were hungry, but they were hungry. And the symptoms of their hunger were the lives that, that they were living that was dominated by sin. And so Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Notice what he said about being the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus said, there is something about me. There is something in me. There is something of me that if you will eat of me, you will not experience hunger and you will not experience thirst. Now, you might be sitting there this morning thinking, well, I'm not sure I can buy that because I've been hungry and I've been thirsty. Well, maybe you haven't been eating properly. I've said this, I'll say this again. I said it last week that I I believe, I believe with all of my heart that there is not one thing one weakness in your life, one fear in your life, one problem in your life that cannot be solved and fixed by you getting the right spiritual diet. I believe that with all my heart. Not against doctors, not against psychologists, not against those things, but what I'm saying is that if you are trying to fix those things without ever dealing with the spiritual component of your life and giving it the proper nutrition that it needs, the word of God, you will continue to struggle. The proper diet, the proper diet is going to change your life. Well, what is the proper diet? How do I eat of Jesus? In verse 63, he said, it is the spirit who gives life. If you're trying to get get life and live life apart from the spirit of God, you will keep running into walls. He said, again, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. The only place that we will find satisfaction is in the bread of heaven Jesus, who is the living word of God that was made flesh that dwelt among us. He is the word of God. And, and it is that word. And so, a couple of things that I, I, I want to just, again, things that you know, but I want to say these things to help focus our thoughts for this morning. That's just a little bit of review. If you missed last week, go to greatjoy.org. You can listen to this, this message and, and other ones and, and have fun. But anyway, there are things that, that, that we all know, but I, I want us to help focus our thoughts this morning. Hunger is the way of letting our, of our body, our body lets us know that we need to eat. That's what hunger pains are. Some of us have a short circuit. Short circuit seems to go off a lot more frequently than it needs to. But, but part of that is because we've trained our physical body to desire more and more food. You can train your body. And so hunger is, is the body's mechanism of letting us know that it's time to eat. But when people don't get the proper nutrition, when they've not eaten correctly or not eaten the right things, there's, a, there's something that is called malnourishment. How many has ever heard of that? All of you, most all of you have heard of malnourishment. Well, malnourishment, malnutrition can cause people to be more prone to sickness, disease, or in very severe cases, they may even die from the effects of malnutrition, not getting the proper diet. We say, well, Pastor Brian, everybody knows that. Do you realize this morning that spiritual malnutrition can cause you to be more susceptible to the attacks of the enemy? The Bible says that we have an adversary, the devil, that goes about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. 
And just like physical malnutrition can cause you to be susceptible to disease, sickness, and even death, spiritual malnutrition can cause you to become susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. You can become more susceptible to being offended, to being unforgiving, to being full of jealousy and strife. Those are all tools that the enemy uses to separate you from people and to separate you from God. Spiritual malnutrition. Do you realize that just because people eat This Snickers bar is considered food, but if you had a diet of Snicker bars, as much as you might enjoy that for a little while, how many of you know you wouldn't be healthy for very long? You would be eating, you would be getting calories, but the calories would be doing you no benefit. Well, there are people that go to church, they're Christians, and they, and, and, and they, you know, they go to church, they hang around with other Christians, they are getting sort of a spiritual diet, but guess what? They're not getting enough. They're not taking the time to feed themselves. They're not taking time to get the word of God on the inside of them. And even though they're around spiritual food all the time, they've never taken the time to put it on the inside of them. And because of that, they again become malnourished. There's another thing, or several things. And uh, when it comes to food, there there are physical conditions. Uh, uh, Is it? Paula's right here on the front row. She's one of my favorite food Nazis, and uh, I love to tease her about it. She, uh, she likes to be very, very healthy in her diet. What is it? How do you, I meant to ask you, you're a celiac, celiac, celiac disease? No, 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 I know. I didn't say you had it. No, no, no. You have all kinds of other things, but not that. No, 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 just kidding. <laughs> just, what is it? Celiac disease. How many have ever heard of celiac disease? Celiac disease is what happens when you eat food and it gets into your intestines. And this is a way 30,000 foot view. I just learned about this from Paula right now. But anyway, no, not quite. Uh, uh, When you eat food, your system cannot absorb the nutrients that are in the food. Gluten, things like that. It, It blocks the nutrients. Well, there's a spiritual condition. It's our heart. And, and, and the wrong heart attitudes can stop you Things like strife, offended or being offended, unforgiveness, tradition, doubt, unbelief. Those are all heart issues that can stop you or impair you from receiving the benefit and nutrients of the word of God. This stuff's really important. This spiritual diet is really, really important. And understanding this and figuring this out and thinking about this makes all the difference in your world. It makes all the difference in what God wants to do for you and in you and through you to the world around you. It is so important to understand these things. And so these spiritual conditions. And so let me ask you a question. What happens when you eat? Now, I don't even ask you that question. You know this. Because how many of you have ever heard this? You are what you eat. All right, we kind of get that principle. We understand that, and I don't mean to be condemning in any way, but that is, there, there's a truth to that. But the, the, the general principle of food is, is what? We eat food, we chew it up, and our body, we swallow it, and it gets into our stomach, gets into our small, large intestine, all that stuff, and, and it begins to absorb the nutrients that were in that food, correct? Same thing happens spiritually. You get the word of God on the inside of you. You begin to eat the word of God. We'll talk about that in just a moment. But you begin to eat the word of God. And as you get that word in you, it begins, whatever the nutrients are that are in that word, it begins to get into your spirit, into your soul, and it'll affect your body. Just like natural food will. That's the way that God sets this up. In Jeremiah chapter 15 and verse 16, it says, Thy words, your words were found and I ate them. 
Just like eating a piece of steak or eating some broccoli or whatever it might be, you begin to chew that up and it gets in you and it begins to produce something in you. Natural food produces natural strength. Spiritual food produces something also. We'll see that in just a second. In Jeremiah 15, 16, again, your words were found. I ate them and your word was to me the joy and the rejoicing of my heart for I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah is saying that when I got that word into me, it produced something in me. It produced joy and it produced rejoicing. How many of you could use a little bit more joy in your life? If that's you, how many of you know somebody else that could, you know, use a little more joy in their life. Well, guess what? You're not you when you're hungry. You might be just like this person. You might be feeling kind of whiny. That's not somebody else's fault. We might blame somebody else. That's not life's fault. It's not the government's fault. It's not anybody else's fault. That is, a, that is a result of the wrong diet. And here's again why this is important. God's word is food. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And when you get that word on the inside of you, that word is going to produce something in you. And when you eat the word of God, it produces a energy, a strength, a force that is called faith. Everybody say faith. Faith is not what religion you are. Faith is not, you know, do you have faith or, or, you know, are you a faith person kind of? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a spiritual force. Just like natural food produces a natural force called strength, spiritual food will produce a spiritual force that is called faith. And faith is very important. In Romans 10, 17, that it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right now, I am serving you and right now you are eating. And that word that you are eating should be producing faith on the inside inside of you. And when you, we're doing the six month through the New Testament thing, every single day that you are taking the time, it may not feel like, it may not seem like, because what? Growth, you don't see growth. Immediately you see growth over time. Same thing in your Bible reading. Daily consistent feeding of the word of God will begin to produce an energy, a strength in you, a power in you that we call faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You cannot get faith anywhere else. Please hear that this morning. You cannot get faith anywhere else. Your faith might be encouraged. Your faith might be kind of prodded on. But the only place that you can get faith, the only restaurant in, the, in, in, in all, all of existence that serves spiritual food that produces energy is the Bible. It is God's word. That is the only place. That is why you have been led to believe that the Bible is too hard to understand. That is why you've been led to believe that only certain people can understand it. That is why you have been, the enemy does not want you to know what God God's word says to you because that is the food of redemption and that is the food that will change your life. So, Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, without faith, where do you get faith? Without faith, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. What does impossible mean? It, it, it can't happen. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. I believe with all of my heart that you are here this morning and braved 20 below because you want to please God. Now you can be as sincere in the world about how much you want to please God. But if you don't have faith, you're not going to please God. It is impossible. It cannot happen. And so if you want to try to please God apart from the word of God, you can't do it. Because the word of God is the only place that you can get faith and faith is the only thing that can please God. 
So if we really truly want to believe God or, or please God, then we got to get faith. And if we want to get faith, then we have to get into the word of God. We need to change our diet or make sure that we're getting the right diet. Think about what the Bible says about faith. The Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. Well, where do we get faith? The word of God. So we walk by the word of God, not by sight. We live by faith. We're to fight the good fight of faith. Walk by faith. We live by faith. We fight the good fight of faith. The Bible says that, that, that faith works through love, that, that, that love is a, an important component of that as well. Remember Jesus in his ministry, he challenged the disciples at times, why do you have such little faith? Faith is a component of our life that can be extremely small, but it can be fed, it can be nurtured, and it can be, it can be nourished, and it can become great faith. Jesus talked about people that had great faith. He said, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. I don't know about you, but I kind of want to be that person. Amen? Be the one that Jesus commends for their faith, their diet. Here's what I think is really important. Everything in the kingdom of God, I wish I'd have known this sooner, but everything in the kingdom of God revolves around faith. How many of you know that if you want to get business done here in the United States of America, you need some cash? Right? Money makes the world go round. Money greases everything as cash, currency, some form of exchange in the United States of America is what allows you to purchase. It allows you to live. It allows you to do things. And, you know, in one sense, the more money you have, the more things you can do. Right? I'm pretty sure probably all of us were thinking about, you know, what would I do if I got that one and a half billion dollar lotto thing? Anybody besides me think that? For whatever reason, my mind went right to, and that'd be a lot of problems. <laughs> because everybody that you ever, ever talked to, and I've talked to a lot of people. Well, you're a Christian, you're a pastor. You got a lot of money. So anyway, you know, so, so we all thought about what we would do if we won the lottery, right? And we understand a really basic principle. There's a lot of heartache and problems that can come with it, but there's a lot of great things that we all could do if we had more cash, right? Amen. Well, guess what? Faith is the way that things get done in the kingdom of heaven. And just like the more cash you have on planet Earth or in the good old United States of America, the more slice of the American dream you can purchase that you can get... Similarly, in the kingdom of God, the more faith that you have, faith is like currency in the kingdom of heaven. And the more faith that you have, the more aware of the promise of God that you are, the more that you can conduct and carry out business for the kingdom of God. That's just the way that God set things up. And so I asked Shelly to bring something. Do you have that? Would you toss that to me? All right. I've, I've, I heard this a long time ago. This is a good old orange. What are oranges known for having on the inside of them? Vitamin C. I heard somebody say this a long time ago. They didn't go to the great lengths that I'm about to go to, but they just made a passing comment and they said that an orange is no respecter of persons. Oranges are no respecter of persons. This orange is known for having, and orange is known for having an abundance of vitamin C. But guess what? This vitamin C is not doing anybody any good right now, is it? What do I have to do? I got to peel it first. I do not want to eat it. Orange zest is okay, but orange skin, not so great. So the very first thing I have to do is I have to peel it. And depending on how you like to eat oranges, most people section the oranges, get it into little pieces that are bite-sized pieces. 
Most people don't grab an orange and go like that, like we would eat an apple. That makes a mess, doesn't it? And we don't like to be messy when we eat oranges. But oranges are no respecter of persons. And so if I pee, my mouth's actually starting to water. When, and I don't even like oranges all that much. I'm surprised right now. I'm thirsty. So, um, and so when we eat an orange, we peel the orange, we section the orange, we put the orange into our mouth, we begin to chew that orange up. And as we chew that orange up, it, it gets smaller so that we can swallow it. And then as we swallow it, it gets into our stomach and our stomach begins to break it down. And, and lo and behold, somehow through however God made our dige- digestive systems to work, it breaks this orange down down this giant hunk of stuff into a way that my system can begin to absorb the vitamin C that's right here. Now we understand that, don't we? Okay, all right. Didn't think I was over anybody's head here this morning. Guess what? When you eat God's word and you begin to open it up and you begin to peel it and you begin to break it down. That's why we do children's ministry the way that we do. We take the word of God and we break it down in bite-sized small pieces so that a child can get it and a child can understand and a child can benefit from it. And so that's what we do. And so when we take this orange and we put it in us, it's just like taking the word of God and putting it in us. You know what? I can't see the vitamin C. I have never seen a vitamin C in my life. You know what I do though? I have heard, and I believe doctors, I believe smart people, I believe them when they tell me that there's vitamin C in here. I've never seen it, I don't know it, but I believe that if I eat this orange, vitamin C is going to get in me. Well, guess what? When it comes to the word of God, sometimes we we are like that. You see, the word of God, uh, an orange is no respecter of persons, it will release vitamin C in whoever eats it, and the word of God is no respecter of persons. There are times that I've heard people say, well, you know, that might work for you, but it won't work for me. That would be like saying this orange, you know, this orange just doesn't like me. You know, this orange doesn't, doesn't care about you. And it doesn't care. This orange doesn't care what your past is. This orange doesn't care what the circumstances of your life are right now. This orange doesn't care the road that you've journeyed and the path that you've been on and how hard your life has been. It just is designed to to produce vitamin C in you if you will eat it. I'm not saying that God doesn't care about you. What I'm saying is that when the word of God is placed into your life, it doesn't care about your past because it's greater than your past. And it doesn't care about your circumstances because God's greater than your circumstances. All it cares about is releasing the power and the strength and the energy so that you can become and do what God says your future is. So the word of God is no respecter of persons this morning. But here's the problem. People want a quick fix. Oh, please pray for me. Oh, please make all my problems go away. The only way that I can make all your problems go away is ask God to kill you. Because as long as you're on planet Earth, you will have problems. You will have temptings, testings, and trials. But if you want to successfully overcome those temptings, testings, and trials, it will all be determined on what you eat. But, Here's the most important thing I can tell you this morning. I think I've got you sort of right, your thoughts and hearts focused a little bit this morning. How many of you have ever looked at a little baby and, 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 and I've done this. Is your, there he is right there. Can I borrow him for just a second? Come here. Oh, oh, see everybody? Oh. Now, 
How many of you ever wished, ah, oh, I wish I could be like a little baby again? Somebody to feed me, somebody to take care of me, somebody to change my poopy diaper. Everybody comes up to you and goes, oh, you're so cute, you're so precious, you're so wonderful. This guy, he's just like, where's mom and dad? They're way over there. He's looking at me. Now, if I, I saw a teenager, where's that teenager at? Right over there. I think you're a teenager. Are you a teenager right there in the gray? Yep. How old are you? How old? 13. Your mom's developing a prayer life. <laughs> now, if I picked up this, thir- what's your name over here? Pardon? Adam. Now, if I picked up Adam like this, and I stuck a little binky in his mouth, and he's wearing a diaper. I wouldn't change the diaper for the world, but anyway. Here, guys, thanks. That would look odd, wouldn't it? That would look odd if, I, if, if, if we had teenagers. It's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. We are to grow up, desire the sincere milk of the word as a baby, but we shouldn't stay, as a, we shouldn't stay a baby. And so when it comes to this, when it, there comes a point in time in our life, we, we're, we're extremely graceful around here. We're full of grace towards people. I believe that the grace of God just never quits. It doesn't condone wrong behavior. It just doesn't ever quit when wrong behavior exists or sin. But there should come a point in your life and in my life where we begin to assume the responsibility for growth. Reading the Bible. Small groups. We want people to know who God is. We want them to experience God. But we also want you to find freedom. And the only way that you will find freedom in your life is when you know the truth. When you know the truth. When you know the truth. When you pick up the stake the meat of God's word and begin to eat it for yourself. I can encourage you, told the worship team this morning that I watch a lot of Food Network and many times they will say that you eat with your eyes first. How many of you have ever not even been hungry but then you smelled something and it's like, oh, I'm hungry. Anybody? That's what I hopefully am for you this morning. I want to be an aroma, a scent, and that's what we want worship to be, something that creates a hunger in you so that you can eat the word of God for yourself. But attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. I've heard people say this, well, I'm just not being fed. You know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says something about that. Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. There are times that people are not being fed, and there are times that, and a lot of times I've heard it in, re, in, in reference to churches, things like that, and, and that can happen. I understand that that can happen, but many times what happens is that the person is somewhere in their attitude unwilling or disobedient. If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, it says in verse 20, if you become unwilling and disobedient, then you're going to be devoured by the sword. What you eat is so important. And so along that line and understanding, understanding that, I believe that attitude is everything when it comes to food, when it comes to spiritual food, when it comes to eating. And here's what I mean. In the book of Mark and in the book of Luke, the same story is given, the same account, but Mark and Luke record it just a little bit differently. And I, I, for years, I just sort of passed over it. But one time I was looking at them side by side and I began to see something. In Mark chapter four and verse 24, first of all, hopefully you understand this, but... Eating spiritual food starts with hearing. It starts with what you hear. And listen to what Jesus said in Mark 4.24. He said to them, take heed what you hear. 
Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you hear. Be careful about what you hear. Those of you that are parents that have ever had little children, isn't one of the first things that you look for, watch, watch for when they begin to become mobile is you watch for what they put in their mouth. We lived in Texas, and in Texas, for whatever reason, there were seasons where there were gazillions and gazillions and gazillions of crickets. And I'll never forget being in a nursery at church one time, and a kid was really quiet over in the corner, walked over to that kid in time to see a couple of cricket legs sticking out of the mouth. I know, that's gross. <laughs> kid was like... <laughs> ah. Take heed what you hear. Take heed what you, be careful about what you lean into. Jesus said, it, said this, with the same measure that you use, the same measure that you hear, it will be measured to you, and to you who hear, more will be given. Whatever you lean into, whatever you give your ear to, you will get an ear full of. And there are people who, for whatever reason, have the attitude, oh, it's the Bible, it's Jesus, it's God. And that's an attitude that will prevent you from hearing. But you get that same person and they begin to talk about sister so-and-so and they're like, what? Who? Who? Owl Christians? Who? Who? They're leaning in. Now, guess what? There's an attitude involved. In, Tell me more. You're already visualizing, creating arguments. So, so Jesus in Mark, he's recorded as saying, be careful about what you hear. Church, be careful about what you give your ear to. Because that's your diet that creates on the inside of you. Luke 8, 18 says, therefore take heed how you hear. Same story that Jesus was, was, was telling. Be careful about what you hear. Be careful about what you let in your ears. Just like you need to be careful about what you eat. Be careful about what you hear. And then he said, take heed how. There's an attitude that's involved in your listening. There's an attitude involved in your listening. And there are times that you have to work to hear. There are times that you have to discipline your soul and your flesh in order to hear. How many of you have been doing the, the daily reading in the Bible and, and you get to, you know, you start to read and your mind, you don't even know what you've read for the last half chapter. Did I read this already or not? We got to write it down. Sorry, that sounds vaguely familiar. Oh, I read that already. There's an attitude involved in our listening and in our hearing and it's easy to become distracted and so... So, <clears throat> how do we feed our spirit? The way that we feed our spirit is the same way we feed our body. We feed it consistently, we feed it regularly. Eat spiritual food consistently and regularly. Here, here, here's something else. How long does it take us to eat? A half hour? Depends on what you eat. How long does it take us to eat? See, I've heard people say this. Well, you know, you should read your Bible and pray for an hour a day. Do, I eat, do you eat for an hour a day? Probably not. Man, we grab and go sometimes, right? We're on the way out, grab a banana. Oh, we're eating a banana. Eat a granola bar, something like that. Do a drive through once in a while. Sometimes it's the big meal. It's the big celebration. It's Thanksgiving. Woo-hoo! And we are going to eat. There are times you're going to go to the buffet. And buffet your body. Woohoo! Hallelujah. You're going to eat. What? We're going to go to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night? It's a buffet. And Monday night too. You bet. Woohoo! We're going to eat. 
<laughs> so we eat consistently. There's a guy by the name of Smith Wigglesworth, great, great, great minister. He would eat breakfast and then he would pull out a pocket New Testament. He said, I fed my body, now I'm gonna feed my spirit. He would eat lunch and he said, I fed my body, now I'm gonna feed my spirit. He would eat supper and he'd pull out that New Testament. He said, now I fed my body, I'm gonna feed my spirit. He lived the principle. I mentioned this earlier, Psalms chapter 23, verse five says that you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy and you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. We want the cup running over part of our life, don't we? But we need to understand that there's been a table that's been set before you in the presence of your enemy. And if you don't eat from the table, your cup's not gonna run over. If you don't allow the spirit of God to teach you who is, he is the teacher, He's the one who makes the word of God alive to us. If we don't allow the Holy Spirit, that's the cup of oil, the anointing our head with oil, that, if we don't allow that process to happen, our cup can never run over. So I want to finish with this scripture. I, I ended with it last week, Psalm 103, 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. This is the food of redemption. Who forgives all your iniquities. Don't forget that God is a forgiver. Don't forget that your past is past. Don't forget that your past has been washed away, that he's removed your sin as far as the east is from the west and he remembers it no more. He says he heals all of your diseases. Never forget that God is a healing God. And there is something in the word of God of life and power that if we will consistently feed on it, it will produce strength in our flesh. Proverbs 4 gives us the idea that God's word is medicine to all of our flesh. He says he redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. And he satisfies your mouth with good things. And those good things, when we get that in us, it says that your new youth will be renewed like the eagles. That's what the word of God does. You're not who God made you to be until you get the right diet. With your heads bowed, with your eyes closed for just a moment, nobody moving around, looking around, I wanna ask you the most important question. All of this is well and good, but if you don't come to a point where you say yes to Jesus, because that's where it begins. That's where it begins. Jesus said, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of heaven, the new birth. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior, and you would like to today, I want to pray for you and lead you in a very simple prayer. If that's you this morning, would you lift your hand and say, Pastor, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to be born again. Anyone at all who, who, who would say yes to that? Just hold your hand up real high. Hallelujah. You can all look back up here at me this morning. How's your diet? How's your diet? I want to encourage you one more time, man. Get in the word of God and begin to feed yourself life from his word. Amen.